So when I think of the series title, All I Need, I can't help but think of when I was a young boy growing up, and there was something I wanted, there was something I needed, and I had to have it. And it just so happens to be this, for those that can see it. For those that don't know what this is, some may know what it is, I can hear you chuckle. Others that don't know what this is, this is a controller to the Nintendo, the original Nintendo. And when I was growing up, I had to have this. This is all I needed. I had the Atari. Who remembers the Atari? Oh yeah, everybody. Had the one joystick, maybe one button, but I knew why they called it the joystick, because it brought so much joy to me, that stick did. Playing Centipede and all the games, but then it upgraded to Nintendo, the original. And I told my mother and my father, that's what I needed. That's what I wanted. And I specifically remember when they got it for me. And I specifically remember two games stuck out to me as I prepared this sermon. One was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, because there was this guy on there named King Hippo. And for some reason, I couldn't get, you're shaking your head, you remember King Hippo? I couldn't get his timing down. He was a big obstacle for me to defeat that king and defeat the enemy of that level. I just had to keep resetting and restarting and using life after life to try to defeat him. I couldn't do it. But I wanted that controller. I had to have the control. If you were sitting beside me, forget getting the controller. I had to have it. I wanted control. And then Super Mario Brothers, the original. You can tell from how much hair I have. I played the original Super Mario. And at the end of each level, I remember there was a castle. And each castle had a king that you had to conquer, that the, the ruler of that level. And he had to defeat that enemy to move on and advance in the levels. And I just had life after life I would spend to defeat that enemy hours after hours. And I would not share the control. I wanted it. I had to have it no matter what. I could defeat the enemy. Let me ask you. Does that sound like life sometimes? Does that sound like your life? That you want the control. You hold it in your hands. Some of us hold the control in our hands so tight we don't want to let it go. But in life, we have one chance. You can't keep resetting and restarting. You don't have life after life to defeat the enemy. See, in real life, life can be hard for us all. See, it can be easy, but then it gets difficult and there's obstacles. And we have enemies to defeat at every level. One of them being ourself. One of them being this world. And one of them, the main one, being the enemy. That we can't defeat. No matter how much control we have, no matter how much we hold it, we can't defeat that enemy on our own. We need a king, and we need a savior. We need to be able to hand it over, hand the control to who it goes to, which is the king. That's what it's going to be about today, is it's time to let go. I don't know what you came in here with this morning, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or you don't believe in Jesus Christ. We all can agree that life is rough at times, and we want control. Some of us hold on to it too tight, some of us would sit in here today and honestly say they don't have control. They don't, let alone hold on to it. They don't have any control right now. Or they're losing control. They're getting news in their family and in their life that's just destroying them. And they're lost. They don't have control. I want to encourage you this morning that there is a way to hand over the control to who it belongs. The one who defeats the enemy. The only one that can defeat the enemy. Jesus Christ, our King. So let's start by defining King and Jesus and Christ. 
Because Christ is not Jesus' last name. See, it's not like Josh Atwell up here talking. It's not like Jesus Christ is first and last name. Hey, I know Jesus Christ is first and last name. That's not his last name. So it's important that we define king, define Jesus, and define Christ. See, what is a king and what do they do? Some examples, typically we know of kings, not in all situations, but typically. A king is king by birthright. A king is typically royalty, has a royalty ruling about them. They're the head of the nation, like Jesus is the head of the church. They unify, they support, they provide, they defend, they unite. They're the identity. They have authority. They have control. And kings have the right to release people from prison. Some kings can release people from prison. Whatever's, whatever they're in prison for, the captive, whatever's holding them, they can release them. Then you have Jesus Jesus meaning the Lord saves, the Lord is salvation. God is with us. Jesus. And then you have Christ, which is from the Greek word Christos. And it literally is the equivalent to the Hebrew word that means Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. So then you put all that together. What do we have in Jesus Christ, our King? You have the anointed one, the chosen one, the one who is salvation, the one who saves the one who has the control, the authority that can reach you and me from prison, from bondage, from captive, from slavery. That's what we have in Jesus Christ as King. It's important to define that as we get into how we're going to approach this this morning and the goal. See, we have one main objective this morning. It's for each one of you in here that believe in Jesus to leave here this morning encouraged, refreshed, and renewed that Jesus Christ is your King and you know how to release control, you're reminded of it, and you are so comforted and so, have find so much joy in our King. And for those that don't know Jesus Christ, it's for you to be taught this morning what you can have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the main objective this morning. Our approach is going to be the need, the seed, the deed, and the freed. That's how we're going to walk through it. We're going to start with the need that's going to be the plan and the problem. And you'll notice, by the way, you don't have any fill-ins this morning. It's all blank lines. That's okay, because we're going to go on a road together this morning. We're going to go on a journey. And what I would love for you to do is when I make a reference to a book and a chapter and a verse, write it down. When I make a reference to a main point, write it down if you're following along, because then in the end, you'll be able to refer to that in your life when you're struggling. You're going to be able to open it, and you're going to be able to take a little road from Genesis to Revelation, a quick overview of Jesus, our King. And it's going to encourage you, you can walk the road again on your own. But we're going to start with the need, the plan and the problem. Then we're going to go to the seed, the prophetic word of the Messiah, the King. Then we're going to go to the works, the deed, the action of our King fulfilling it. And then we're going to go to the freed, the application, how that applies to us. That's going to be the approach, and that's how we're going to tackle it this morning. So that brings us to our first point this morning. God's plan is for God's people to rule God's world, God's way. I'll say it again. God's plan is for God's people to rule God's world, God's way. I'm going to read Genesis 1, 26-27, and I'm going to be using a lot of Scripture this morning because that's why we're here. We're going to let God's Word speak. I'll be reading a lot of it this morning to drive it home. Genesis 1, 26-27, I'll read it now. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So that's the plan, right? God's plan for mankind is to have some control, have some authority. But the key there is God's world, God's way. God created the world and everything in it. He created us. He controls our every breath. And He had a plan, which leads us to the problem. The need for a king, the need for the seed. I'm going to read Genesis. Like I said, we're going to go right on a road here, starting with Genesis and end with a little bit of Revelation and walk right through it. Genesis 3, 4-6. through The problem. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. See that desire, that wanting more, the make one wise, the control, the power, wanting more. This is where sin enters. See, God commanded. Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Many of us know that, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, Satan, in the form of the serpent, deceives mankind, deceives, and they sin. That's the problem, the fall. Sin enters. And we, Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of the first Adam, we inherit sin, death, and eternal separation from God. Why? Why? Why is that the case? Because think of God for a minute. God is holy. God is perfect. God is light. God is love. God is righteous. Sin cannot be tolerated. Sin cannot be accepted. See, if you have light, you can't have dark. If you turn on the light, the dark goes away. Dark can't be in the presence of God. He's light. He's love. Unperfect needs perfect. Sin needs forgiven. Unrighteous needs righteous. Unholy needs holy. And blemished needs unblemished. That's our God. That's how holy He is. So there's a problem. And it needs forgiven. But our God, we said He is love. And because of His love for you and me, the story don't stop there. We know that He's all-knowing, past, present, and future. And He provided the plan. He provided the seed. I'm going to read that now. He says, Genesis 3, 14 through 15. And this is the need. This is the seed. We're the, the first prophetic word of our Savior and King. In Genesis 3, 14 through 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, and the King James Version there says seed instead of offspring, between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. See, this is the first prophetic word of our seed, our Savior, and he's speaking to the enemy here. He's saying you will be defeated. Victory will be done. Sin is not the end. Death won't hold him. Sin won't contain him. You will be defeated. The one who can defeat the enemy. See, that's Jesus' work that He's going to do. We know that in God's Word, He fulfilled that work. Jesus came. He died on a cross. 
Sin is conquered for those who believe. Sin is not the end. The work was fulfilled. The work fulfilled the word. That brings us to our second point. Our second point, if you're following along, write it down. Jesus fulfills the word by his works. Jesus fulfills the word by his works. Let's talk about the prophetic words spoken and some works that fulfilled them. And I'm going to warn you now, some of these, you're going to feel like you get a little bit of everything thrown at you this morning. Trust me, it's going to be a lot. Because some of it's going to remind you of Christmas. That's kind of fitting, it's Christmas time. Some of it might remind you of Easter. Some of it remind you of Palm Sunday. Some of it might remind you of just every week when you come to church. Because if we're talking about a series called All I Need, we need it all to talk about Jesus Christ and remind it of who our King is. As King, what do we have? The couple examples, Brother Dave referred to one of them this morning, may remind you of Christmas. Jeremiah 23, 5 tells us our righteous King will be raised from the branch from the line of David. Matthew 1, 1 shows that's fulfilled. Micah 5, 2, our ruler, our king, king will be born in Bethlehem. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2, show that fulfilled. Isaiah 7, 14, our king will be born to a virgin and named Emmanuel, God with us. We know Matthew 1, 22, 23 shows that was fulfilled. Talk about Christmas. Talk about what we know and we celebrate. And this may remind you a little bit of Easter. Daniel 9, 25 talks about the time the anointed one will come and sin will be atoned for. And we know on Easter, what do we love to preach on? The death, the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know it was fulfilled. See, Matthew had a big goal in his gospel. And I would challenge you sometime to do this. Read Matthew from start to finish. One of his main goals, his main objectives, was to make it very clear to his readers that Jesus is the Messiah and King. That was one of his main objectives. And if you ever read it with that in your mind, as you read it, it will pop out to you like crazy of Jesus, our King, and what we have in Him. We have everything in Him. He is all we need. So I want you to turn to Matthew 21 now, if you don't have it open. As you turn there, I'm going to read another prophetic word, and we're going to look at the works that Jesus did to fulfill this. As you're turning, I'm going to read Zechariah 9, 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, the book of Zechariah, it was written at a time when the exiles had returned from captivity in Babylon. And he speaks a lot. God speaks a lot of what's to come through Zechariah. He speaks to the first coming. He speaks to the second coming of Christ. He speaks to the rejection of Christ. He speaks to the future reign of Jesus Christ. And he warns that they must return to their one true God. That's very familiar for us as we look around our world today. We look at other countries and what's going on, and it's It's hard at times. We look around our own lives and it's hard at times. Some of us probably think, man, what is this? How how good is this ever going to get? You know, is this kind of on its way down now? Not going to come back up, you know, or what how is this all going to work? Not just physically, but spiritually. How many more people are going to come to know Jesus Christ the way this world is going? But we keep speaking and preaching because that's our job. And God will work out all that. 
See, and, and we remember the things Zachariah spoke on. We know that Jesus came. We know that He's coming. We know that people reject Jesus. We know that in our tough times when we want control and have control, that we need to let go and return to our one true God that we have. So many similarities there. And like these other quick examples, let's give an example of this word of Zechariah. Prophetic word being fulfilled in the works of our King Jesus. Matthew 21, I'm going to start off in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, so this should sound very familiar to you now, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. See, I want to point out first the character of our king there. See, notice he's humble. Meek and humble. He's unlike kings how we think of them typically. Prideful, arrogant, he's humble and meek. Selfish, he's unselfish. A king with the mentality of serve me, he came to serve them. He wasn't in it for himself, he was in it for them. That's our king, that's Jesus Christ, he comes humble. And on a donkey, that's not what they expected. They were expecting this warrior on a horse that was strong and forceful and powerful and was going to deliver them from Rome. That's what they were expecting, that's the king they wanted. See, they had all these signs, and they had all these words. The words, the signs, everything they said, all, that, all throughout Scripture. But yet they had it totally flipped. They had it upside down at what it was supposed to be. It reminds me of this story that I have to share. I, I, I love this story. I, I found it so humorous in my own mind. I don't know if you will or not, but first, who's been behind somebody driving so slow? So slow that you just want to pull your hair out. Who? Okay, a lot. Yeah. See, you can tell I've been buying a lot of them. See? They're driving so slow, and you're just like, come on, you got it all wrong. Speed up. Go faster. You don't, you got it backwards. See, it reminds me of the story, this high, the highway patrolman who pulled over this car. And this woman was driving it. And in the passenger seat, she had a man. And in the back seat, she had two more women women and another man. So she had four passengers. And this, this police officer approaches her window and he says, ma'am, with all due respect, you're going so slow. You're going 22 mile an hour. You're a, you're a safety hazard. You got to speed up. And she says, kind of with a chip on her shoulder, well, <laughs> with all due respect, officer, I'm going exactly what the sign said, 22 mile an hour. He said, man, that's the route sign, not the speed limit sign. See, she had it all backwards. So he goes to, he's going back to his car. 
And he just he's, he's startled at the look of when he was talking with them. So he goes back to the car and he sticks his head in and he says, I just have to ask. You guys are all like wide-eyed and startled and shocked and your hair's messed up. I mean, you are clearly startled and shocked. Is everything okay? And she says, well, officer, we did just get off of Route 119. So, so I love that. See, they had all the words, they had all the signs, but they had it backwards. That's kind of like them. See, see, not what they expected. That's not what they wanted. That's not what they expected. They had it wrong, but Jesus had it right. He mounted up anyway. He did what he had to do. He knew what he was entering in Jerusalem. He knew, excuse me, knew what was coming. He was just days away from his death, and he knew what the right thing to do with. And where they had it wrong, he still had it right. He did what he had to do. That's our king who still mounted up. And as we talk about what he was coming to do in that arrival and that entry into Jerusalem, we have to talk about what he did for you and me as our Savior and King. The other prophetic word that is huge, and we know this word was fulfilled in his works. I'm going to read Isaiah 53, 1 through 5 to you. And as I read it, Just listen to every word about what our king was going to come do. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces." He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. For you and me, Jesus entered Jerusalem. For you and me, Jesus wore a crown of thorns. And I think of those thorns, I think of the thorns in my life, the sin in my life, and I think of that crown and those thorns and how my sin was placed upon him. And he bore all my sin. He rode into that city that day knowing what was to come. And that's what my king did for me. But we know that that's not the end. He was crucified and he died, but death couldn't hold him. Sin wasn't the end. Sin can't stop him. See, he rose again. And we know that Psalm 16.10, the psalmist says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to the place of death, nor let your Holy One see corruption. Jesus wouldn't see corruption. He wouldn't see death. He would raise again. Death couldn't hold Him and sin couldn't stop Him. That's our King. A King who laid down His life. A King who is love. A King who served first so that we want to do everything we can with all of our all of our, everything we have to serve Him. Greater love is this than one who lays down his life for one another. And that's exactly what he did. Not a prideful king, not an arrogant king, a humble, meek king who did it all for you and me. That's our king. What a reminder to what we have in our king. And how does that apply? I just said you and me. That gets us to the freed See, we talk about the seed and the prophetic word and the deed, the actions he's done to fulfill them and the actions he will do to fulfill the rest, by the way. He came, but he's coming, and we know that. But the freed, you and me, how don't it apply to you and me? It's all about you and me. It's for you and me. Everything he did 
so that we could be saved out of his love. That's the application. Our last point. Point three. Jesus as king sets free those who truly believe. Jesus as king sets free those who truly believe. We had a need. We got the seed. He did the deed. And those who believe are freed. If you look back at Matthew 21 verses 8 through 9. It says, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See the responses there. And and John's account of this tells us that when this all was happening, the Pharisees were angered. They were mad. They were angry. See, because there's there's two responses. There's to reject and there's to accept. And many rejected Jesus. The Pharisees rejected Jesus. Some of his own rejected him. Some of these right here that were chanting Hosanna would days later be chanting crucify him, crucify him. Because he was not the king that they thought when he was tried and arrested. They thought they were going to be delivered from Rome. Some of them didn't realize he was coming to deliver them from something much greater. Something eternal, not temporarily. From eternal sin and death and separation. A king with much bigger things in mind. Some of them didn't even realize that. Jesus was rejected by so many. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. All down the line, people rejected Jesus. But there are some who accept Jesus. They know. They know who Jesus is. They know what he came to do. They believed in Jesus. See the garments that they had? Those were a sign of honor, of submission, of recognizing the royalty. That's their cloaks. That's those garments they laid down. Some people really lay that down. They submit. They realize. They lay it all down. They know who Jesus is. And those palm branches, those aren't just regular palm branches. If you know Scripture, you know in Leviticus, those palm branches were held to celebrate and rejoice God delivering them from Egypt. Here they're being laid down saying, God, save us. Hosanna means Save us. Save us now. Pray. Save us. That's exactly what it means. It's it's an expression of praise. See, there are some who when they say that, they do get it. They realize who Jesus is and what what He's came to do. They accept. And for you and me, we know God's Word speaks to something else we say when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans 10, verses 9-10 through says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Some accept, some reject. And some are just stubborn because it's not what they expect. It's not their terms. It's not their way. They want the control. They want that controller and they don't want to release it. Let me ask you this morning, in your life, whether you believe in Jesus or you don't, where are you at right now? Do things happen that you don't expect? It happens in all of our lives. I remember when my daughter Whitney, Donna and I's daughter Whitney was being born. And we thought she, we were told she was a boy. So we decorated the room in Noah's Ark. It was all blue. The nursery was ready to go. We were all ready for our boy. And then we found out, Winnie don't sound like a boy's name, right? She was a girl. But you know what? We didn't expect it. But it was way beyond our expectation. God had bigger plans. It was way beyond we could ever imagine who Whitney would be and what God gave us. See, in life, we have to expect the unexpected at times. 
And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you have too much control right now. And you need to let go. Maybe you've lost control right now. And you need to remember who you have. And you're Jesus. You're King. You need refreshed in that and renewed in that. Maybe that's you this morning. I was on my way to Columbus this past week as I was preparing this. And I came across this audio. And we're going to play it here in a couple minutes because it hit me hard. I have to share it with you because I don't know if you've ever heard somebody or heard someone's words and they just hit you at the right time. I'm not a very emotional person. My wife would probably agree to that. I see her smiling now. But this brought tears to my eyes. When I heard as I was driving, it made me want to run through a brick wall for Jesus. This video reminded me of no matter what I have going on in my life, who Jesus is as King and what He does. And I want you to take three minutes. See, it's a three-minute video, and three minutes goes quick if you're focused and you're zoned in on what's before you. I want you to shut everything out that's going on in your life right now. I want you to listen to every word this man says. And every word that comes up on the screen, I want you to look at it as it scrolls. And I want you to think of your life. And I want you to remember what Jesus is and who He is and what He does as your King. Some of you may have heard of this man. I had never heard of him. His name's S.M. Lockridge. He was born in 1913 and died in 2000. He was an old Baptist preacher in, in California. Excuse me, California. And when you hear the passion in this man's voice, God speaking through him, the love he has for Jesus our King, it will remind you of what you have in your King. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous 
and the yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. That's our king. Yeah. That's our king. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, that can be your king. And if you're struggling in your life right now, you need that reminder, that's your king. If you talk about a title of a message, All I Need, and you talk about Jesus as king, I couldn't put it any, any better than he did. I actually printed it off because I was going to read it. And I'll be honest, would you rather me read that or that man say that? I think the video was the way to go on that one. You couldn't describe it any better. He does an amazing job. It reminds me of Jesus that came, but Jesus that will come. Our King of kings, our Lord of lords. He came as a lamb. He will come back as a lion. He came on a donkey. He will come back on a white horse that represents purity and victory. They use those palm branches to celebrate being delivered from Egypt. They used these palm branches for some thinking they were delivered from Rome. Others knowing Jesus was there to deliver them from so much bigger, so much more from the real enemy and life. In Revelation, I said Genesis to Revelation, I said all seasons, Christmas, Easter, Palm Sunday, and every week, all I need is Jesus. And we've had a little bit of it all. Revelation 7. I'm going to read it. This is John. He says, After this I looked... And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. See, he entered the earthly Jerusalem, the palm branches, it's all points to the heavenly Jerusalem and the rejoicing of our Jesus, our King that will reign. Listen, this Christmas, don't let it be about the present under the tree. Let it be about the presence of your King in your life, the man who hung on the tree. Let that be what this Christmas is about. Nothing else other than that. Maybe you need to cry out this Christmas, Hosanna, God save me, save me. I know who you are, I believe in you and I praise you. Maybe you need to just shout out praises of God. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life, for saving me. Thank you, God. Maybe you need to cry out about that control. God, I let go. I let go of the control of my life, or I have no control of my life, and I needed this reminder of my King Jesus. Let me close this in prayer.